when none of our schools have more than 60% of the persons who live in those neighborhood, uh, neighborhoods going to the school that's in their neighborhood. On Tuesday, the St. Louis Public Schools Board planned to vote on a plan that would close 10 more schools and convert one high school to a middle school. The district has said those changes are necessary as it struggles with declining enrollment. Uh, it's just, it is a, a challenge, and I think the community doesn't understand the nuances of every single thing. And all we're trying to do, quite frankly, uh, is to provide more services to kids. Closing these buildings will allow us to do that. But those plans drew loud pushback from some activists and politicians. And ultimately, Superintendent Kelvin Adams agreed to table the closure plan for one month. Is this just an idea? Is this something you're thinking about? Um, are you telling me that you're going to build properties, uh, build, build homes in this neighborhood? But when is that going to happen? When is the shovel going to hit the ground? <laughs> you know, well, what are you projecting will happen after that point in time? If you're going to build five houses, that's not going to change anything in terms of the population coming to support that school. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Superintendent Adams, welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation. Good afternoon, everyone. So, so many people protesting these closures say they were caught off guard for, by this plan, but you've been talking about this now for more than a year. Was it frustrating to see the suggestion that this was somehow news? Uh, I don't know if the word frustration was the right word, but I do think it was a little concerning that the community had not uh, listened to what we were trying to say, uh, which, what we have been saying for a number of years, not just one year, but a number of years, that the population of the city has declined, and as a result of that, the resource alignment has to take place. So uh, I won't use the word frustration, but I do think I was concerned that um, our persons were, were responding for the very first time. Do you think parents were aware of this up until this point, even if some politicians and activists say they hadn't been? I think because we did not necessarily put the names of the schools out, we talked about the criteria that was necessary. I think we made a, a leap that people would understand that if the enrollment of a school was low, that their school would likely be part of the conversation. So I think parents were a little bit more informed than the community may have been because their faculties and staffs and administration, uh, I am positive, had had some conversation prior to uh, that time. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the philosophy behind closing these schools. We feel like, uh, you know, we're told time and again, neighborhood schools are a good thing. It's nice to have something right in your neighborhood and not have to hop on a bus. Um, why, why are fewer schools actually a better thing as far as the St. Louis public schools are concerned? Well, I think the, 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 the truth of the matter is the resource alignment has to take place. And so we have schools that have less than 100 students. And so we are providing a great deal of resources to keep those buildings open, which means that we're taking resources from schools that have larger populations. And so the neighborhood idea of schools probably really went away a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I don't think the neighborhoods really understood as we open magnet schools and charter schools and other kind of options, families were exercising choice. And choice meant that they were getting up and moving and going to schools that they felt met their kids' uh, needs better. Uh, we spend approximately $25 million a year just on transportation. A large portion of that is a result of the fact that we have to have magnet schools based on a new segregation agreement in the early, late 1900s, early 2000s. And so that is the notion of ch 
uh, neighborhood schools really exist in some senses, but those schools are really impacted by our families making choices to, to move away from those neighborhoods. I think what we're indicating right now is when none of our schools have more than 60% of the persons who live in those neighborhood, uh, neighborhoods going to the school that's in their neighborhood. Hmm. Well, most of them, around 20 or 30% of persons who have the ability to go to school in their neighborhood are exercising the, their choice to go outside of the neighborhood. So the idea of neighborhood schools, this is maybe something um, that's more tied to nostalgia than the reality on the ground in the district. I think in certain locations, I think it's much more likely that a neighborhood exists to a larger percentage of the population in South St. Louis than it is in North St. Louis because the neighborhoods in North St. Louis are for all practical purposes decimated over a period of time with with vacant property. I think there's some 8,600 vacant pieces of property across the city, and a large portion of those are in North St. Louis. And so you have neighborhoods that might have uh, a smaller population that known might that have smaller populations that surround those schools than in South St. Louis. So there's been a lot of talk about this declining enrollment, and there's been a lot of conversation about what roles charter schools play in this. Do you think they're siphoning away students who would otherwise go to the St. Louis public schools? I think the answer to that question is simply yes. But I think the larger uh, piece is that we just have less students in the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. When I arrived here... Twelve years ago, there were about um, 60,000 students taking advantage of about 103 schools. Now there are 45,000 students taking advantage of 110 schools. Some schools we have reopened are open, and obviously charter schools have the ability to open in St. Louis and Kansas City, and now Normandy uh, for the very first time uh, in Normandy. So I think it's a combination of the fact that we have a declining uh, city population, i.e. declining uh, child population, and charters have the ability to grow schools. And frankly, as I said before, we have opened some schools as well. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with a really complicated set of issues here. You've now delayed this vote on the closures for one month. What do you want to see happen during that time? Um, there were several schools that I had, did not have the opportunity to meet with their faculties. Um, I would say about four schools, and so this morning, as a matter of fact, by by Zoom, we met with four faculties to give them an opportunity to give their feedback. I'll be meeting with another one on when we return on the 4th or the 5th. Uh, also, 13 or 15 letters went out to those parties that indicated that they had concerns about us closing and asked us to delay. We sent letters to them inviting them for a conversation to talk about resources that could align to support those schools or ideas that they might have. Uh, several have uh, taken advantage of that uh, that invitation, and we'll be meeting with them next week by Zoom to find out what ideas they might have. So this gives us an opportunity to listen a little bit more intently to groups that have indicated stop. Um, that's elected officials as well as partners as well as uh, uh, any kind of um, uh, agency that feels that they have something to bring to the table. Okay, so some of these uh, these people, they are interested in taking this meeting. How much resources would they have to bring to the table to change your mind on a school being closed? I think it depends on the school, quite frankly. I think it depends on the kind of resources that they have. If we're able to leverage some of the resources they have to reduce what we are providing in that school, that might be beneficial or helpful. They may come up with some strategies around consolidating one school or another school. We simply want to listen and find out to your to your to your question what what they can bring to the table. Uh, right now, it's just been a lot of, and I don't want to use the word noise, but a lot of conversation around what should happen or what needs to happen. 
the reality is that it's more than just a conversation at this point in time. It has to be something much more concrete um, and timely that we can look to impact the school. The idea that buildings or neighborhoods might grow four years from now is a great. That's fantastic. But it doesn't affect what we need to do now. And that's the kind of conversation we want to have. And so it sounds like when you're you're dealing with this question of should any school be taken off the list, you're willing to look at these on a case-by-case basis. If somebody's coming to the table with enough resources or a plan that would make sense for that building, they could end up being taken off the list? I think there's a possibility. Uh, probability probably is much more unlikely, but I think it's a possibility. I want to give everyone an opportunity to have an oppo- uh, to, to tell us what they think mm-hmm. uh, and what they believe and what resources they might bring. And so, uh, I, I don't want to prejudge anything at this point in time. I want to be really wide open. Um, and want to listen to what the community is saying, as I said before. Some have some ideas that they're talking about, and we want to ask them, how how re- how much of a reality is this? Is this just an idea? Is this something you're thinking about? Um, are you telling me that you're going to build properties, uh, build, build homes in this neighborhood? But when is that going to happen? When is the shovel going to hit the ground? <laughs> you know, well, what are you projecting will happen after that point in time? If you're going to build five houses, that's not going to change anything in terms of the population coming to support that school. So those are the kind of questions we want to have. Hopefully, it will help them also understand what our dilemma is. And so I think sometimes people don't really understand what the real dilemma is. They think we just want to close schools, but it's impossible to provide the kind of resources that students need um, district-wide when we have buildings that are compromised in terms of the numbers. So, um, so yes, yes, that's the, the hope and uh, possibility that we might take something off the table based upon what they bring to the table. And when you talk about resources students need, you mean things like uh, social workers or an art teacher, um, things like that that we might think of as as being outside of the core curriculum? Yeah, I think what we provide are teachers, and we provide the aides that support the teachers and principals and administrators, but our families need so much more. Uh, full-time nurses, full-time social workers, full-time counselors. Right now we're sharing some of that one day a week here, one day a week there. Uh, elective teachers, full-time art teacher, full-time music teacher, full-time PE teacher. We're sharing some of those resources now because the school sizes are so small, mm-hmm. and we have 68 buildings that we're trying to do that in, and it makes it harder to do. Plus, uh, we have shortages of teachers. Why? Because we have teachers with 10 kids here, another teacher on the other side of town with 10 kids here. The combination of those 10 kids into 20 gives you one teacher, and that other teacher can support other other buildings. Right now we have about 160 teacher vacancies, another 40 other vacancies. In our, in our school district, we require uh, also security guards to be in buildings. In our middle and high schools, the intent is to also provide some of those security support to some of our uh, elementary schools. Also, the discretionary dollars that schools have right now is minimum. We want to increase that cost as well. We want to try to give our high school students an opportunity to have internships and paid internships beginning at uh, January 2022. So those those are just some of the things. Right now we have two custodians in buildings, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. We have three or 400 kids in the building, especially at the elementary level, at the middle and high school level more. But we want to have more custodians in buildings as well such that we could support cleaning and keeping the buildings cleaner. Uh, so those are just some of the things, not counting the 
the bit the fact that our buildings are old buildings, 1899, 1905. And so those buildings, if you know anything about an old home, needs to be upkept on a regular basis. And so dollars need to be poured to address some of those kinds of things. We did lead abatement for all of our buildings last year, and we do this every two years. And so we have to change our water fountains. And I, I could go on and on and on about <laughs> It's a lot. I mean, this is yeah. <laughs> there's so much yeah. that goes into each of these buildings. Yeah. yeah, and so when you think about 68 buildings doing that, imagine taking care of 68 buildings that are old buildings. We have some buildings that were less than 20 or 30 years old, but that's a, that's a handful of buildings. So uh, it's just, it is a, a challenge, and I think the community doesn't understand the nuances of every single thing. And all we're trying to do, quite frankly, uh, is to provide more services to kids. Closing these buildings will allow us to do that. Um, that's really what this is about at the end of the day. I think the conversation has been so much around the closing piece that we have not really talked about or the public really hasn't understood that at the end of the day, we want to provide more services to the schools that are open. And when the kids move to other schools, they'll get more services. You mentioned that you met with the faculties of four different schools, I believe, uh, this morning on Zoom. Does the faculty, uh, do they get this? Do they, do they understand the benefits that could come from this consolidation? I think you get a, um, it's a different perspective for every single school. Uh, some, to answer the question, yes, they do, but it doesn't mean that it's not painful for them to think about closing their school. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like debt in some cases. And so this is, uh, persons are going through a grievance, grievance process. Uh, first is a, a recognition that, wow, the school might close and die. Some of them have transitioned to, okay, so what happens next? How, what, what would happen to me? What would happen to my students? How can we best support them? Uh, and so the initial shock of it was, wow, my school is closing. I've been here 33 years. Now what am I going to do? How can I support kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yes, the answer to the question is I think they are getting more uh, uh, aligned with what might happen. I think initially it was a shock, but now they understand it's a real possibility, and they are pivoting to finding out what about me and what about them. So uh, the St. Louis Board of Aldermen, they voted 19 to 1 on a resolution opposing these closures. Has anyone on the board followed up with you since that vote? They received a letter on Tuesday uh, to the board of uh, the board president, as well as selected board members who were part of the education committee, uh, did receive a letter from me. I have not. I did speak to the board, uh, the president, on uh, Wednesday morning, uh, made him aware a letter will be coming. He received a letter. I have not received anything yet. Uh, from any of the older persons yet, but I do expect that next week I will be um, meeting with some of them based upon what I've understood that they want to meet. But I haven't got anything official yet. All right. So you're willing to meet with them, and you think they'll take you up on that. We're going to be getting a new mayor this spring, ready or not. Um, Mayor Krusen says she's not going to run for re-election. What's one tangible step the mayor could take to help the St. Louis public schools going forward? I really think it's really simple, and I think that's just a conversation around public education in the city of St. Louis with a holistic plan. Uh, unlike many mayors in the state of Missouri, uh, only two, Kansas City and St. Louis, has to deal with the notion of the traditional public schools and charter schools. So I think what has happened in the past has been a lack of a, a coordinated plan, which I think folds into this notion of neighborhood revitalization as well. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is the district has not necessarily been at the table for some of the kind of conversations that have been taking place and charters as well. So I think it would make sense to have the district at the table when you're the third largest employee in the, in the city mm-hmm. and you have a $300 million budget. It makes sense for that to take place. And you want to be at that table? 
Well, I think the leadership of the district needs to be at the table. I personally don't need to be there, but the board needs to be there. <laughs> you have enough on your plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the board needs to be there, I mean, to have conversations with uh, parties at the table. And don't get me wrong, the mayor has been at the table on certain selected things. I'm talking about a holistic plan that's well-coordinated and articulated on a regular basis. That's what I'm talking about. This mayor has been uh, willing to meet and talk about uh, certain matters that affect uh, students and the mayor has appointed someone over children that I meet with and talk to every single week. But I am not, and we we deal with the problem solving issue. I'm talking about the much more strategic piece mm-hmm. that has to do with location of buildings and all of those kinds of things, which I think has sorely been missing holistically in the city. Well, St. Louis Public Schools Superintendent Kelvin Adams, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and wish you the best of luck as you deal with so many big issues going forward. Sounds good. Thank you very much, and thank you to your audience for listening. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.